coming at you from the decentralized earth. You're listening to Christo on Crypto. Hello and welcome to another episode of Christo on Crypto. Today our two sponsors are Reset and Retreat and Bitexme Exchange. Have you ever felt that sometimes life is too fast? You're always on your devices, especially in crypto. Well, if you're interested in switching off, reconnecting with the environment and with others, then Reset and Retreat is the place for you. Very excited to announce that a crypto-only retreat is being launched by Reset and Retreat, who have been established in the uh, retreat and wellness space for over two years now. And uh, listeners of Crypto on Crypto will be getting an exclusive uh, special offer, which they can redeem at uh, one of Reset and Retreat's summer events. So uh, look out for more information on that in the coming few weeks. And uh, I highly recommend it. I went on a retreat last year, um, and it is difficult at first. It involves seven days of no connectivity whatsoever so that includes mobile phones the internet uh, pages <laughs> pages who uses them um, but you get the idea it's complete disconnection concentrating on healthy meals um, relationships with the environment so lots of yoga meditation um, interestingly enough also some very unique activities like stand-up comedy um, you on the uh, retreat we went we learned to do a uh, five-minute comedy set and then perform it and the feeling you get from strangers laughing at you is very very powerful it beats uh, any likes or uh, any retweets that you can get on uh, crypto Twitter or, or any of the social medias for that matter so do check it out and uh, more details in the coming weeks for that special crypto retreat and the second sponsor on today's podcast is BitXMe Exchange, uh, based out of Singapore. Now launching a crypto-to-crypto exchange, soon to have fiat on-ramps. And I've tested it out, and it's very good, I must say. Um, it allows for hi- highly customized uh, user experience, and uh, order execution is quick, and the liquidity is very good. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they progress into the future. For listeners of Crypto on Crypto, there's a special link that includes an extra discount on top of the uh, already quite generous structure that they have, um, given that they're launching uh, on the 1st of June. So do check it out, bitxme.com, and as always, links are in the description, and happy trading, and stay safe. Crypto on Crypto! On this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Stephen Nereoff of Casper Labs and Simon Harmon of Loki. A friend of mine recently introduced me to them in Hong Kong. And if you're not familiar, it's the place to be for blockchain in Asia. Seriously, there's a lot of stuff happening. There are incubators all over the place. A lot of crypto companies have their headquarters there. And of course, being technically part of China, Uh, yet an autonomous region. It's almost as if Hong Kong has all of this bustling energy around crypto and blockchain because of the whimsical nature of the Chinese government and their sort of yes and no nature towards the blockchain and crypto space. If you ever get a chance, I would urge you to 
go down there and uh, see what they have on offer. There's lots of meetups all over the place and uh, very strong communities, particularly um, the Ethereum community out there is uh, very strong and so is the Cardano community. I was very impressed with the events that they held out there and um, there's a lot of smart minds there. So that's my promo bit for Hong Kong. If you're there, make sure you uh, get involved with some cool blockchain stuff. So we talked to Steven Nereyov first, who claims to have 20 patents under his name and was one of the legal minds responsible for the Ethereum token sale. He's working with Vlad Zamefir on Casper Labs and we caught up with him to see how that project's coming along. We also talked a little bit about scaling and all of the solutions around it and why it's so difficult. We also talk about why bear markets are a very, very good thing for innovation. So enjoy the episode and please don't forget to give us a like Maybe even leave us a review on uh, whichever app you're using. We're also parallel streaming all episodes on our newly launched YouTube channel. So if you'd give us some support there, we'd really appreciate it. We're also on Twitter at Crypto on Crypto. So give us a shout there if you're uh, active on the CTs. And thank you so much for all of your support. It really means a lot to us and it allows us to bring some very, very special guests onto the Crypto on Crypto podcast series. Enjoy the episode. Thank you for being here, Stephen. Thank you. Great to have you here. So tell me a little bit about your involvement in crypto. Where does it begin? So I came in around 2011 uh, and was uh, captured by Bitcoin, fell down the rabbit hole like many other people. Yeah. And uh, then around 20, late, well, 2014, early 2014, got involved in um, Ethereum. And my job there was to figure out how to... Um, do a crowd sale uh, in a legally compliant manner. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the model that I came up with there uh, ended up uh, becoming the model that a lot of folks used for ICOs in the future. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. So um, tell us a little bit about Casper Labs and what makes it different. So Casper Labs is a a really fascinating project. So I haven't been this excited in years. It's uh, (coughs) a creation... um, that came out of uh, research by Vlad Zemfir mm-hmm. and it, it's a family of protocols that at the end of the day where it, what it, it leaves you with is really the very first um, truly decentralized and scalable blockchain so the holy grail that um, many of us have been elusively seeking all these years in blockchain are the three pillars of a blockchain that's that's security scalability and decentralization until now you've had many blockchains that have have been secure Mm -hmm. you've had um, some that have been secure and decentralized like uh, bitcoin and ethereum but both of those due to their um, current nature um, and structure and the proof of work are not very scalable uh, then you have other ones that um, do are scalable and yeah. arguably maybe secure to some level, um, but they're done that through adding some form of centralization. centralization of course. Literally, I believe it is every single blockchain that has found a way to scale has done that through sacrificing centra- decentralization with a centralization component. What Vlad Samfir has figured out, and that's why you know so many of us have basically dropped what we're doing and are focusing full time on Casper Labs, is he has said we don't need to sacrifice anything. We can have all three of these. So it's it, this is really the holy grail of blockchains, um, and 
I believe that what, you know what's kind of unique about it is so the there are inventions in this world, and then there are people who invent um, not just commercially but literally invent a way to scale the invention. And so if you look out over history, you'll find like the automobile, you have Mercedes, you had Benz, and Benz invented the automobile. However, Henry Ford invented the assembly line. The assembly line was used to scale the automobile. Uh, you had Friendster. Friendster invented social media. It collapsed yeah. specifically because it could not scale. Zuckerberg comes in and found a way to scale social media. You had Yahoo, which pioneered search, but it was a manual process. Google came in and said, no, well, there's another way. Let's invent a way to scale search and with their algorithms. So in each case, the, the inventor of the scalability, which is what Vlad has done in this case, um, is the one that actually allowed the technology to literally proliferate, in each of those three cases, to billions of people around the world. And so I think the same exact thing is happening here. And so when we saw this technology, we were saying, wow, is exactly what blockchain means. And blockchain, in my opinion, has been very much held back. Its growth, killer apps have all been held back because there hasn't been uh, both fully decentralized and scalable blockchain. But do you not think that uh, to be fully decentralized is just a matter of time as opposed to, you know, at the moment where we have aspects of centralization that are required for scalability but once blockchains become much more efficient, maybe they become smaller, maybe the models change into proof of stake from uh, proof of work, then we might be able to achieve scalability without so much centralization. But why invent the wheel again, so to speak? No, because that's, that hasn't happened. These ones that have instituted <coughs> a centralization component in order to scale, the centralization component is not leaving. I mean, that's what allows it, it's built into its core you know it's part of the architecture of that particular blockchain what you need to do is you need to create a whole new blockchain there's two issues with that a uh you lose your current blockchain your community everything that's on there so you know that's that's definitely a challenge the second one is what vlad has created in cbc cast frankly is the only um protocol it's actually a family of pro set of protocols um that has achieved that so what you're saying, I could be correct if other people invented other ways to do it. So far, this is the only mention that, that I've seen. Okay, interesting. And from what I understand, Casper Labs has been launched relatively recently, certainly in the depths of the bear market. So uh, I understand that you were around during the uh, significant periods of growth for Google in the early 2000s. Is there something about the bear market that makes companies innovate better? Oh my God, absolutely. So I was in Silicon Valley in the internet um, business in 2000 when the crash happened and I stayed for a number of years after that. And what you saw was <coughs> multiple companies getting hundreds of billions to a trillion dollars in market value and creating massive ecosystems. So you saw Google, um, you saw Facebook, arguably actually you saw um, Apple rebirth mm -hmm. with the iPhone in there. Um, and what what the bear market does is number one, the visitors have gone home. Right. So the folks that were not really um, here and and had a passion for the technology. And frankly, when you're breaking new paradigm and new thing, you better have a passion for this because it's not easy. You know, it's, it's 18, 20 hours days. It's thankless. The entire world's telling you you can't do it, and so you need to have that belief and passion. Second thing is that people aren't as focused. Right, so people are focusing more on the back then it was the stock market this time it was coin market cap you know they were trading all day long as opposed to actually focusing on what they were doing this is, this is very real 
um, the percentage, they did studies about it in 2000, about how many people were day trading, and it was like astronomical in Silicon Valley how many people were doing that. Of course, afterwards they weren't. Mm -hmm. The talent level, and this is like the most important, right, is that the talent that you can get during a bear market is exponentially, and that's a quantitative hire, but it's also qualitatively hire. There, mm -hmm. there literally is talent that you could not have gotten during the boom. And during is that the because bus, everyone's expectations of salary and stuff have come down? Absolutely. You know, no longer do they get 10% of stake tokens or something like that. Correct, correct. And so there are, I remember in 2001, we had multiple Stanford PhDs as unpaid interns. I mean, that's just even, I mean, out of, out of computer science, it's like literally and physics is unheard of, right? I mean, these are people that would make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. They just wanted, because we had a really interesting business and they were interested in working there, but in a boom time, you would have just never had them, right? right. We wouldn't have had access to those people. So the same thing right now with Casper's, like we're a great example of this. We have, I've never, and I've been in, I, I don't know, literally involved in dozens of technology companies, both my own and as a venture capitalist. Um, and I have never seen pound for pound, you know, we're not huge, but pound for pound, a um, uh, level of um, really core competency mm -hmm. that these, that the, our developers have. You know, it, it just starts with Vlad, obviously. Um, we met Meta Palikar, which is like, she's amazing. She's the CEO of Casper Labs. Yeah. Um, she's the PM and she, uh, they love working with her and she's just great at strategy and design architecture. And then our lead dev is Michael Birch. And I literally have not seen anybody um, any better than him. You know, and there's only been a few that are even in his league in the entire space. So <clears throat> all of that really from a developer standpoint, uh, we wouldn't have been able to capture that. And that's why the, the bear market's been really helpful. Yeah, I mean, on the, on the business side, uh, also a group of us have dropped much of what we're doing and we're focused on this. Yeah, a year ago we were focused on a dozen other projects. Frankly, there aren't a dozen other, you know. Competent projects. Yeah, well, tier one. Like, you know, the kind of projects that you could really say, this is going to make a difference in the world. You know, it's like we're, if you're not looking to make a difference in the world, why are you in this space, right? It's like, it's, it's tough. You know, it's challenging, you're questioning yourself all day long, but you, you, you kind of go back and say, all right, I'm hoping that this is actually going to change the planet. So by the time I leave this planet, I can look back and say something I did change the planet. Because if you just want to make money, there's a lot of easier places. I'm, this is not the easiest place to make money. Sure. And, <clears throat> yeah, but that's, that's what gets you up in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I get the idea of creating an entire new blockchain because you want to replace some of the centralization that might be, say, built in to Ethereum or EOS or whatever for that matter. But what happens in five years' time when someone says, um, or if they say, oh, Casper Labs has still got too much centralization, or any other criticism that comes with simply the technology of the time not being able to keep up with the pace of innovation, how do well, so that's, that's a really good question. So uh, number one, the, the parent company, Casper Labs, is called Adaptive Holdings. I'm the chairman of the parent company. It's a whole, Casper Labs is a wholly owned subsidiary. 
And I bring that up because adaptive is the first four letters are adaptive is A-D-A-P. Mm -hmm. And that stands for as decentralized as possible. Okay. And we put that in there intentionally and so on all of our business cards and our materials that we look at ourselves and that we give to other people to remind us what our mission is here. Right. It's that we're not scaling at the, at, the, at the sacrifice of decentralization, that centralization is a key component and it's a key ethos of why we're all in this space. Uh, so the the tech is designed very modularly. Is designed with um, upgrade cycles in mind in terms of how to improve it over time. Mm -hmm. And the architecture is designed extremely thoughtfully, uh, so it allows it to move up um, and expand. Uh, but in, in terms of its ability to get you know larger and serve you know billions of people, I believe this technology actually can do that. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to understand why. Is decentralization so important? Like, what do we care? All right, so these other ones have some centralization. Well, from, the, from a user perspective, they do say that uh, the easier the better. So is it going to be easier to use a decentralized blockchain versus a more centralized one? How do you well, yeah, uh, so there's two users to this to the blockchain. I mean, many, uh, but there's, let's, let's just take the DAP uh, itself. So the developers and maybe the company that wants to go on and create a decentralized uh, it could be anywhere from a multi-trillion dollar bank to a new kind of way of doing anything. Um, and why is that important? Yeah, so the, when, uh, and I think it's showing itself in the current market, is that if you're building a decentralized application, the reality is if you can do 10 or 15 transactions, 20 transactions per second, you're building something with a certain budget in mind, but in building it for that, specifically that environment, you're not going to build something that has 10,000 transactions per second or whatever the number is, some large number per second, if you know that your environment is constraining you to a lower number. So more than likely, you're probably building a proof of concept that's early in the business. And mm -hmm. you know, so what, what ends up happening, what ends up happening, the result is the killer app will not mm -hmm. emerge. Mm -hmm. Highly unlikely it's gonna emerge in that environment because the killer app wouldn't be designed in that environment. Uh, so now if you say to people, here's something that's fully decentralized, but it also scales, they may they, they will design things and I believe the killer app will, will emerge. The reason I also don't think it'll emerge with a decentralized component, so that's the that's the scalability why it's holding back a killer app. The decentral the decentralized um, the, the rather the centralized aspect of the other blockchains mm -hmm. is the second reason why it's holding back killer dApps. And that's because if you're the head of a major institution, government agency, educational institution, take your pick, and you're told that there's a point zero 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 one chance of collusion on here and your assets can be taken off by somebody else, right. you literally will have a fiduciary duty not to put your assets on there. Yeah. You're not thinking to yourself, oh well, it's randomized or it's this or it's that. You know, you don't even you know like the, the door is closed, you're not putting a you know, you're not going to ask a, a, one of the top banks in the world, oh, just go ahead and put $3 trillion of assets. And yeah, there's a one one millionth chance of, in the world that they will all be just taken off. But that's not going to happen. They're not going on there. You know, there's other barriers to it, obviously, but that's like a key one. And what you'll see is, I think you're seeing this in some of them right now. There are some blockchains that you're seeing a lot of adoption, but what you're seeing is low value, like games and things like that going on there. So nobody's putting a tremendous amount of value. But I do want to be clear about something. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think this is, a, this is not a zero-sum game, right? So I don't think that we're in place of all these other blockchains 
far from it. I, I'm an investor in several of these blockchains. I think they have amazing use cases. They're, they're going to be incredibly valuable, uh, but they're limited in, in what they can do. Um, and so you either have to have a tremendous relationship or something, but more than, more than likely it's lower value stuff that are going on. There are special use cases because it's specially optimized for this or for that. But when you're talking about the main or a main public chain, mm -hmm. not the fact that it's just public or open source, but like the public chain where it's going to have mass adoption, that one needs to be fully decentralized. So right now, I, I believe we're the only technology that can claim that, uh, but we've got a long way to go in order to get adoption. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we wish you all the best with it, Stephen, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to my guest, Stephen Nerioff of Casper Labs there. Interesting to hear his uh, thoughts on the market, as well as some of the technologies that he's helping create. Up next is Simon Harmon from Loki. Loki is a fork of Monero, and they're trying to create a new onion routing network, as well as a new distributed anonymous messaging service. It's also well worth listening to some of the predictions that were made in this next interview about the market. Uh, certainly very doom and gloom, and this was only six weeks ago. <laughs> Just reminds you how quickly the market can change, uh, and what a fascinating and dynamic space crypto really is. I hope you enjoy the next one, and uh, stick around till the end for some closing thoughts. Crypto on Crypto! How are you doing? Hi, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, it's been uh, an interesting conference so far here in Hong Kong. What are your thoughts? I'm, uh, I'm already quite sleep deprived and uh, it was already a night of parties on the first, not even the first night of the conference, the night before, so Friday. So oh, wow. I did all the running around uh, yeah. various conferences and places last year to the point where, you know, I went to Singapore three times and two of those times I didn't even sleep there. I just oh got on gosh. a plane from Melbourne, turned up in the morning, did a couple of meetings and then got back on a plane in the evening and came back. So oh, wow. um, I'm quite fed up with doing that sort of thing. So yeah. um, this year I'm trying to take things a little bit slower and, um, and you know, settle into the places I end up in. Spend some time there and exactly. not just be on uh, red-eye flights all over the place. Well, that's right and actually get some decent sleep and you know, hopefully have better conversations yeah. as a result, you know. Uh, well, it's something we all wish here in crypto, such a 24-hour market, it's very difficult Absolutely. to never get any rest. Um, so tell us a little bit about Loki. Sure, so um, Loki is a privacy project, we're a fork of Monero, okay. um, and we're essentially using the concept of masternodes to create a new onion routing network and also a private messaging uh, service. So the idea is, is that uh, you have these nodes, uh, they stake in order to join the network and once yep. they join the network they provide services and the services they provide are internet access uh, through onion routing that allows you to access the internet anonymously so yep. your IP address gets masked through this encryption protocol um, that's been around for a while now called onion routing. We're not the first to do it but we have written a brand new protocol with a number of uh, features that aren't out there already. We use IP tunneling so this means you can route all sorts of traffic not just TCP but TCP, UDP and any other protocol that exists in the future or exists now, which is quite exciting. Um, All right. And then we're also uh, using these uh, service nodes to host a decentralized anonymous messaging service. So we use this onion routing to obfuscate the IP side of things. Uh, we have a distributed architecture for delivering and serving messages when the other user is offline. 
Um, the easiest way I can describe it is it's a lot like Signal, except your phone number doesn't get associated with your account, your IP address gets hidden, and it's totally decentralized. So if I send you a message using Lurky Messenger, only you and I know that message has even been sent, let alone what was in it. Wow. So How does that scale, though? Uh, it scales, it's actually, when you look at the statistics, not that hard to do. With the number of service nodes that we already have on the network, mm -hmm. um, it's fairly easy to do that. Um, especially considering that each of the users must also uh, participate in it as well. So it's not, they're not entirely freeloading because they have to do the proof of work and they have to build the parts and everything else. So we think it'll scale quite well to an, a certain extent, but there's, some, there's sort of a self-regulating aspect to this as well. In order for the service nodes to continually earn rewards, they have to be able to keep up with the network and provide a minimum standard of service. Right. So um, if there is a huge demand to um, store a lot of messages and route a lot of traffic, then uh, the minimum standard will be increased. And so uh, those nodes will be sort of automatically, economically incentivized to provide either you know, a CDN type service or, or mm -hmm. that sort of uh, thing. But it, it'll scale pr pretty well for the first few million users. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I suppose one of the things about that is, of course, you, in order for that staking to happen, you need some uh, reward system. That's correct. Which, of course, is based on the price of the token. Yes. Um, so how does the bear market affect the development of Loki? Uh, it doesn't really affect the development of Loki as much as it affects the, just the, the market and the, the current user base. Okay. These, pre these are products that I'm talking about right now are currently in the alpha stage, so right. we've done a lot of the development work over the last nine months, but really it's um, still a ways off becoming the full ecosystem that we envisage, so there's okay. still a while to go there. But uh, yeah, the, the price of the token, uh, we believe, will be derived from uh, incentivization schemes on the network uh, through a, a sort of, we're kind of discussing this in the community at the moment. So we want to integrate Loki the coin into uh, the messenger and, and the, the Loki net browser and all that stuff, yes. uh, which is great uh, to bring it forward as a private cryptocurrency, but also we're thinking about introducing a freemium aspect to it as well. So restricting certain functionality um, that would appeal to more power user type people, um, such as IPv6 exit ranges or, or things of that nature. Um, and so they would do a special transaction on the blockchain, burn a certain amount of coins, which mm -hmm. then evenly offsets the um, inflation that's created by service node rewards by burning those coins. So it's sort of a, a cyclical uh, type of scheme. And how is that burn rate set though? It, well, it's not. It, that's, the, that's the challenging thing about deciding how to price it. Right. So we also have a thing called uh, the Loki name system. So instead of me, if I wanted to connect with you on Loki Messenger, we'd have to exchange pub keys somehow. Okay. But uh, you can also pay uh, to get an address on the on the Loki blockchain. So, for example, crypto.loki, you could own crypto.loki, but you'd have to pay for it, register it, and it's just like any other domain service. But sure. then you can then use that contextually across the different Loki uh, services. So whether you're using the Messenger or the wallet or the service nodes, or you're hosting a snap on the, on the Loki net side of things, they can all reference to different parts of the network, but you still own that one domain. You can use it for all of those dis different services. Okay. So um, I take it that Loki's obviously got the private messaging service. Is it expected to be used as a currency? What's your kind of 
ideal scenario for well yeah that, that's the debate that we're having in the community at the moment is is that a realistic goal or is yeah. it uh should we be focusing more on the the freemium side of monetization okay um, the, way, the way i see it personally is that um, we're now more like a traditional startup than we are a crypto startup because we unlike most crypto projects out there actually have a consumer app that mm -hmm. is being brought to market later this year so we have the same adoption challenges that any other tech startup would be facing at this stage. Um, so, and most of these other tech startups that you've seen out there, monetization is kind of the last thing on the list that they really think about because if you can't get the millions of users that you want to make this app successful in the first place, then what's the point of worrying too much about monetization? And mm. so, but, so that's kind of a, a line of thinking that I've been exploring in the last few weeks, but. Um, yeah, I'm really trying to think more carefully about the go-to-market strategy here rather than the nitty-gritty details because I think a lot of um, blockchain and cryptocurrency projects um, in the last year get really focused on building these very elaborate, uh, theoretically beautiful systems of you know these incentivization schemes. But um, you think without monetization, it's pointless. Well, without a user base, it's pointless. Right. And I think that the challenge that we're seeing now is that we're starting to see some of these products come to a close to final state in, in a lot of cases they're just not getting used at all right um, yeah, the use of st statistics on dApps in particular is quite poor so I, I think more focus needs to come onto okay what are the actual consumer apps that we can push out there and how do we bring them to market are they actually useful to people that are not involved in this industry mm -hmm. so is your app out yet no, the app's not out yet. Okay. Um, the, the desktop uh, messenger and the desktop looking at implementations are about a month or two away. Okay. Um, we haven't finalized a release date yet, but that's very exciting. Um, but obviously, I think the, the consumer go-to-market strategy doesn't really come into play until it's ready on mobile and it's had a couple months to be optimized and improved. Um, that's probably happening later this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So something to look forward to, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a long road ahead. Um, we've got a quite a complicated product when you think about it. Yeah. Designing a brand new undergrounding network from scratch. Yeah, our code base is based, is on, Monero. based on Monero. But what's what's the stop Fluffy Pony deciding? Uh, okay, just picture this for two seconds. Okay. Fluffy Pony turns around once and he says, all right guys, we're gonna put master nodes on Monero. Right. Can you see a future in which that happens? <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Yeah, I, I think, um, what we're doing is very far out of scope of mm. what Monero is focusing on. I don't see any future in which, I mean, that's the, always the threat there, right? Like someone might fork Loki with more money and a bigger team and like yeah. try and overtake what we're doing, but that's the case with, that's the case with literally the every other- in general. Or tech startup in general. Like a lot of um, tech startups are just copy, Swallowed in. Swallowed in or copies of other, pro of other projects trying to do similar things with, you know, a slight twist and all that. Like, the plethora of dating apps out yeah. there that are trying to be yeah. the next Tinder or the next Bumble or whatever. As an example, um, there's just so many of them. And, and so it's really- Which one works best in your opinion? What, Tinder or Bumble? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, I've, I've had a mixed experience on both. I don't, I don't think anyone's really figured it out yet. That's a very um, diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, think they, I think they work differently in different markets. Well, I, I can't say I've had a lot of um, experience with experimenting in different <laughs> markets to be honest but uh, uh i'm sure you're not wrong um 
I wouldn't know. So <laughs> oh, I suppose yeah. uh, one of the, the next things that we should talk about is uh, this bear market. And uh, what are your thoughts? Where are we in the life cycle of this bear market? I think we've probably bottomed out, but we're going to be sitting on the bottom for probably the next year. Really? I, I keep saying this to people. I really think the next year is going to suck for everyone, including ourselves. Right. Um, uh, there, it takes a long time for people to feel not cut about you know such a huge crash and everyone's and been saying ETF, ETF, ETF. So you don't think you'll be approved? Well, they were saying the same thing about the Bitcoin futures thing with uh, the Chicago um, stock exchange, or not stock exchange, derivatives exchange. Mercantile exchange. Yeah, yeah. and it just never, both of them, they came out on CME and CBOE and it just it's a big nothing. And I think it, uh, ETFs would be the same. Just mm -hmm. because it exists, it doesn't mean that we will see institutional money coming in. I think crypto really? is very much a, a retail investment phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And I, I think um, once we evolve past this stage of being uh, you know, a speculative asset, it will be a consumer application, not an uh, enterprise or a business application as, in general, I think. But Okay, I mean, I get that point of view, but I, I still think from a currency point of view bitcoin has a draw for institutional point oh absolutely investors. absolutely i suppose that we should we should make the i mean we should be clear about the difference between currencies and cryptos i suppose because the technology might not be something that they're willing to get in because of the nature mm. it's just it's like a bc is more suited to to that than say a traditional finance company right. or a bank for that matter but I think they would still want exposure to Bitcoin. Um, I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. There's only uh, one way to find out. I mean, uh, I know the deadline for the SEC um, is coming up in a couple of months. So right, okay. But uh, you know, the government shutdown might happen again, or who knows? Trump might be uh, not in office. It's all uh, all up in the air a little bit. I really haven't been paying attention to these, particularly the American, um, you know, various filings and court cases and things that it's all just a big big nothing I mean back in um, the last sort of run-up in 2017 it was all yeah. about what was China gonna do were they gonna ban Bitcoin and they yeah. did six times or something horrendous and yeah every and everything shook out the way it was gonna <laughs> shake out anyway and it was still all it still all happened I, I don't think this regulatory news is anything as as it seems no definitely not definitely wow. not. I That's definitely think it's um I think it's a very um, I'm going to use the word peer-to-peer -peer here, okay. as in I think uh, Bitcoin goes through these cycles of um, interest and engagement because people talk about it a lot, like, um, and interest is generated. It's, n it's not a top-down thing, it's definitely a bottom-up, and that, that's why I think we've seen the same um, retail investment hype cycles happen over and over again at this point. It's because you go through these periods of, have you heard about this? No, I haven't. You learn a little bit more, you keep hearing about it, and you just, it, it, it's, and it's very clear what happens, and then everyone hears about it and gets onto it when it's going off. And then all of a sudden, the ass falls out of the market, and everyone loses interest almost immediately, because their hopes and dreams are yeah. crushed, and then they go back to not really caring about Bitcoin for two years, and then, Every time they hear it, they just, you know, they feel very emotionally hurt by it. Yes, yeah. well, you would if you bought a twenty k. Well, exactly, exactly. And I know several people in my personal circles that did, even though I told them. Did you tell them to buy it? I, I just told, them, look, man, this is this is just getting crazy now. Like, like do what you want, but oof, I, I, I don't know. Right. And nice. um, they. 
they're kicking themselves now, eh? Should they are listen? kicking themselves. <laughs> they are kicking themselves. Right, uh, well, Simon from Loki, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And uh, we wish you the best for the future with Loki. Yeah. And uh, do come back and tell us when you're live. I will. Thanks for having awesome. me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cheers. Well, there you have it. That was Simon Harmon from Loki. I tell you, predicting this market is not for the faint of hearted. It's uh, completely unpredictable. And look at what six weeks makes. Wow, what a difference. Thank you again to my guests this week, who were Stephen Nerioff from Casper Labs and Simon Harmon, who just heard from Loki. Thank you again to the sponsors, Bitex Me Exchange and Reset and Retreat. Some very exciting stuff coming out of those two businesses. And of course, thank you to my listeners who we do this for and make all of these great interviews possible. If you have two minutes, don't hesitate to subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to us on the iTunes or podcasting app of your choice. And leave us a review if you're enjoying the content. It makes it all the worthwhile and we really appreciate all of your support. Thank you again for everything and uh, we'll see you on the next one. This has been an episode of Christo on Crypto. Take care.